Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. I love being here with you all. Hey, if you're a kid, would you stand up or wave at me if you're like, if you want to classify yourself as a kid, grown kids? Anyway, if you're a kid, there's a bunch of really grown kids, but if you are a preschool, kindergartner, maybe not preschool, but kindergartner through elementary, would you stand up? Where you at? I know you're here because there's like a whole row of my kids. All the kids are like, I will not. Stand up if you're short. Oh, they are short and I just can't see them. I don't know if you know this. There's a bunch of short people in this room and we love that the kids are in here. All right. Love it. I love it. Now, here's the thing. You're going to feel a desire rise up in you today because it's going to, I'm going to preach short. We're going to do some communion. As a parent, I got death grip so many times in church. Anybody recognize that? Death grip. Like, you better shut your mouth, boy, or I'm going to drag you out of here. That's not today. Jesus said, let the kids come to me. So if kids make noise, I'm okay with it. I have ADD. We'll play off of it. Uh, you can let your kids enjoy being in the room full of the people of God. Now, kids, kids, look at me. When we get into communion later at the end of the day, can you stay in this room? And can you turn your crazy from 11 to 7? Does that make sense? So have fun, laugh, play cards on the floor, enjoy just laying in a room full of people worshiping and confessing sin. That's what God's people do. We're a family. Uh, Second group people, if you are a college student, can you stand up? You're like, are you going to tell me to be quiet? Yeah. Hey, I think this is your last Sunday before you're like, right? Is that true? Don't sit down. We're going to pray for them. Is that okay? Uh, so if you're around them, touch them. ask them if you can touch them. Um, I'm going to touch you. Never works well, all right? We're just going to pray for you. Blessing, and then as you go home, man, God's going to send you probably all over the country. And we count it an honor to actually spend the time in the Word of God with you. So God, we lift up these college students, and I thank you that you're sending them back home. This isn't like, oh, I got to. This is, I get to go back home, and you would restore relationships. You would blow up in families with the glory of God. You'd put your strength, wisdom, and power in these college students, and that where they go, your kingdom would come. I pray anything hindering them right now in the name of Jesus, anything demonic, any lies would be gone off their lives. Thank you for these college students. We lift them up before the throne. Do great and mighty things in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. We love our college students, but now I can eat at Chipotle, so go home. So, just kidding. Just kidding. You know what I'm talking about? You ruined my Chipotle experience. And it's about me, all right? So, we, <laughs> we could go through a lot, and actually I have a desire in the coming weeks. We're not going to do it today. We've got a lot to do, but to, to have... You know, dads stand up and pray over the dads and have mom stands up and pray over the dads. And even you old people, I finger quoted that. I'm not calling you that. You just would be that. Sometimes, sometimes we forget this 50 to 65. You're like, where's my place? And then, you know, past that, you're like, God still is using 75-year-olds that are submitted to him. Still, there's not a retirement in the kingdom of God. There's just, I'm just still doing whatever he tells me to do. So we're going to look at the book of Jude today because Jude's going to write a letter because God told him to. So if you have a Bible and you're going to need it because we're going to read this whole book of the Bible. What? 
How many chapters are in the book of Jude? One. One. And you know how you know that? If you're doing the reading plan. So, just kidding. That was a little, read the reading plan. Kids, if your mom or dad are not getting a Bible out right now, hit them. Like, get your Bible out. Come on. They can get it out on their phone. I intentionally, (laughs) I intentionally, parents are like, you just told my kid to hit me. He's kind of violent. It's okay. I intentionally didn't put the words on the screen because we're going to open a Bible all together and we're going to read the Word of God. There's two goals for the day. We're going to eat this book and then we're going to eat the Lord's Supper together. Those are the two things we'll be eating. If you're like, what are you talking about? Uh, We call this the Word of God and Jesus said he was the bread of life and that his words were like sustenance, were like life, were like bread. So we have the book of Jude. I'm going to try to read, if you could follow along, it will not be on the screens. That's, I'm going to keep saying that, because some of you are just going to sit there. Open up. Open up your app, which I don't like, but I'll let you do. Open up your Bible, and let's read this book. It is one chapter. It's 25 verses long, all right? Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. To those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Here's a question. Who's James? Whose brother is James? Jesus' brother. So who is Jude? Jesus' brother. But he doesn't go, I'm Jesus' brother. He goes, I'm a brother of James and a servant of who? Of Jesus. You're in church, yell Jesus. Verse 3. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. I wanted to write to you to go, how good is it to be saved by Jesus, y'all? How good? Real good, that good, right? But he's like, I didn't get to write that letter. Instead, I had to write, I need you to fight for what's true and contend for the faith that was delivered to you once and forever because there's people that have snuck in and they've attached Jesus to sensuality, which don't go together. They've attached Jesus to do whatever you want because grace don't go together. Verse five, now I want to remind you although you were once, once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desires, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Who knows the Bible sometimes a little bit like, is it not? So I want you to contend. I want you to fight. I want you to go after faith in Jesus that's pure. And I want to remind you that God actually does dole out judgment when we don't believe and we walk in unbelief and we mix Jesus with anything. This is the reality of the Bible. And Jude is not mincing words, is he not? Sodom and Gomorrah, you probably learned about that in Sunday school, but it's not really a kid's story. But 
Sodom and Gomorrah, what happens to it? It is destroyed because they chose sensuality, they chose sexuality, and they chose things that were not of God, even though they were warned. You have the people of God over and over again in Egypt. God's leading them into freedom, and they're like, man, can we just go back into captivity in Egypt? I really like the celery there. That's a paraphrase, but they like the food there. And they're like, what? And God punishes them. And so you need to hear Jude say this. We need to hear this. In the things we're believing, there is blessing and there is judgment. You, you hear me? No one talks like this in church because we just want to be like, he loves you. Do whatever you want. That's not the Bible. And Jude's warning us, don't do whatever you want. Contend. Because there'll, pe- there'll be people that'll tell you, do whatever you want, grace. That's not biblical Christianity. He continues, verse 8. Yet in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that, all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them. For they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's heir and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by the winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. I don't think he's meant some words, do you? If I was like, you are a waterless, you'd be like, he's kind of mad, yeah? So if we have the time, and I'm not going to spend, but we've studied these people before, what is uh, Korah's rebellion? We'll just do that one. Because you can study Balaam in the Bible. He was a prophet. You can look at the heir of Cain. Cain killed who? Okay, murder. But Korah was around when Moses was around, and he was a leader of the people of Israel. And what he says to Moses is, God is with us as much as he's with you, which is a true statement, except it was done in arrogance and a challenge to God's established authority. And so Korah, with his whole little group, basically Moses is like, you all go back to your tents. And what happens to Korah and his entire group of people? His family, the earth literally opens up and swallows them is what the Bible says. And then Moses is like, I guess God has a desire for authority to still be with me. You're like, no kidding, Moses. Now, if we had that, I'd be like, yeah, you know, and then you all fall into the earth. I don't know. That's not what, I think what he's trying to get at is there's these people who are saying true things. Korah wasn't wrong. God was with them as well as with Moses. But God had established Moses to lead the people. God had established a certain uh, order and governance and right to, to do these things. And Korah puffed up his chest, and he was punished, therefore, because of it. There are really real, real things that come about when we dishonor and disobey God. Those are hard truths, but they're real truths. Now, he doesn't stop there with just like, he continues to talk about Enoch. Let's, let's actually read it. I was going to skip it. We're not going to skip it. Verse 14, it was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones, 
to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness and they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against them. Now notice what he says next in verse 16. He's going to tell you what these ungodly, ungodly people that are doing ungodly things are doing. And some of us are like, I really feel like this list should be different. These are grumblers. Anybody grumble this week? Yeah. These are grumblers, people that malcontents, people that aren't content with what God's given them. Anybody that's been completely content, thank you, God, that I have Brahmin tonight. Like, that's hard to do. Following their own sinful desires. You ever feel that desire pull you in the middle of the week? Come over here and follow this way. You're like, that's not the way of the Lord, but you could feel the pull. They are loudmouth boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. Anybody know like that? Somebody at work? They talk a lot. They talk a lot about themselves. And whenever they talk about somebody, it's always so that they can gain something. This is the list. It's not murder and sleeping around. It's they talk and boast about things they don't know about. They challenge authority to get to their own advantage. They are people that grumble about everything. And, and there's this warning then, but then he's like, that's them. But verse 17, but you. He's going to say you. And you could say, but me, but you. He's going to tell you and I to do some things. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt. Did you hear that? Have mercy on those who doubt. You ever met somebody and you're like struggling a little bit? And you're like, I don't know where God is at. And they're like, just trust him. You're like, so helpful. I got it now. I'm just gonna trust him now. Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Do others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. And then verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Now you could say, I've read a book of the Bible. You did it. We did it. Yeah? It's not that hard. So let's break it apart in short time as possible. And, and we're going to get into communion today, and we're going to do our long form of communion, uh, but we're not skimping on the word. And so in verse 1, if you want to go back to verse 1, he says, to those who are called, loved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. Now, so, some of you, you just skip when they greet people, but Jude's telling you who he is and who he's related to. He's related to Jesus, brother of Jesus. And he says, to those that are called, who called you, church, to himself? Jesus, who loved you before you ever loved him? Jesus. Who's keeping you right now in faith in the goodness of God? Jesus. So this is Jude going, all right, take a deep breath. Everybody, relax a little bit. The God who called you is the God that loves you and the God that's going to keep you, and he's going to do a very specific thing. All those words, if you want to know, are 
they're verbs that are passive, meaning you don't do them. Someone does them, not you. God does the calling. God does the loving. And God does the keeping. Anybody else just like so thankful that God's going to keep you on this thing? Not you. I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ is the one that goes, I'm going to keep you, son. Not your weakness, not your striving. I'm keeping you. The funny thing is, that's the front, right? Go to verse 24. He ends with the exact same thought. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you without blemish before the presence of his glory with rejoicing to the only God, be glory and dominion and all that stuff. Did you hear it? Now to him, Jesus, who is able to keep you from falling, able to keep you secure in his hand, in his love, called and elected, I'm gonna use the word elected because it's in the Bible, called to himself, saved to himself. And then what's he gonna do when you get there? He's going to present you to the glory of the Father. That's Jesus' plan for you, to take you wherever you are today. If you're a kid, Jesus' plan is to save you, fill you with his Holy Spirit, walk with you the rest of your life until the day that you meet God, and then Jesus is gonna be like, Father, here is this man, or here is this woman. He's working right now to do that in you. Right now. And you're like, I don't feel very spiritual. Me either. This is why we wage warfare with the word of God. Because Jude's telling his people, he's keeping you, he's calling you, he's loving you, it's not you. He's the one that now is able to present you holy and blameless to the Father. This is good news, Right? So if someone was to ask you, how can you be sure that you're going to keep the faith? How are you going to be sure you're not going to mess this whole thing up? You can quote Jude to them. Because the one that called me is the one that's keeping me. Because the one that first loved me promised he would never stop loving me. Nothing can separate me from his love. And he is working to make me even more like Jesus right now. Right now. That's what God is doing. Now that is your bookends. That's the beginning of the letter and the end of the letter. Immediately in verse, well, we just read it. He starts saying in verse three, beloved, I was eager to write about salvation, but I want you to do one thing. What's the one thing? If you had to summarize the whole book of Jude, you could say it in one word. Do you know what the word is? It's in verse three. He says faith. Anybody else? Contend. Everybody say contend. Contend! I want to go brave hard on you so hard right now. You know what contend means? Fight. I'm going to pick a fight. Go pick a fight with anything that stands against the knowledge of the Son of God. And don't buy anybody that tries to replace it. Contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. Once and for all, Jude says, you heard the gospel that Jesus Christ was crucified on the tree, that he, he died and was buried. In three days, he was in the ground. He bodily resurrected from the dead, and then he walked around for 40 days, ascending to heaven, and promised that he would return for those that had put their faith in him. That is the message of the gospel. It's a cross-filled, death-filled, blood-filled gospel. People want to take all that stuff out. You come to Jesus. You don't have to die to you. That is not the gospel. You come to Jesus. You live whoever you want with. You come to Jesus. You could sleep around. You'll be fine. That is not the message of the cross. 
and it's foolishness to the world. And so he says, contend. I'm going to show it to you in visual form, though. And this is not my illustration. I stole this from another pastor, which is what every good pastor does. All right. So what is this? A two by four. All right. So the story goes like this. A pastor like me, they were building a new building project. And the, he was like really wanting to get involved. But he's not very handy. Uh, and so the pastor went to the foreman of their new building project. He said, how can I help you? He said, I want you to take those 100 two-by-fours, and I want you to cut them to six foot long. All right? So he's like, 100 two-by-fours, six foot long. Okay? So he grabs his first two-by-four, and what do you do, gentlemen? Maybe you ladies, you know. How would I, if I had a tape measure, I would do it. Put the tape here, pull it over here, six foot. Mark it off. What do I do next? Cut it. Measure twice. Cut once. Or if you're me, just cut randomly and be like, oh, Get three, two by fours in and be like, I probably should measure that again. All right? So let's say you start with that, and then you're like, okay, I don't need my tape measure anymore. All right? I got one six foot, and all I'm going to do, I'm going to lay it over this one, and I'm going to mark it again. Are they the same size? Why not? Let's say I do that 100 times. How long is the 100 foot one, or the last one, the 100th one? substantially longer, so these actually I, aren't the same size. Now, it's not a lot, right? But if this is faith, can you see this? It's small, right? But over the years, I'm going to add on to Jesus. You can sexually do whatever you want. I'm going to add on to Jesus and the gospel that it doesn't matter if you go to church. And before long, your last thing, this thing that we call the gospel, this is the pure, true, holy gospel, and this is what we're doing. And he's going, don't do that. Contend for this. The one pure, true gospel that was delivered once and for all to all the saints. Don't add a nub into it. Don't measure off the culture of the day. So hear me. Our goal here at Cobblestone isn't to be like any other church. We're not mimicking another church because we're like, I don't want to do what they want. I want to do what Jesus established in the New Testament. We want to be the church that's not looking at fads, that's not looking at church cultures. We're looking at the Bible and going, hmm, the Bible seems to have a lot of stories of demon be demons being cast out. The Bible seems to say physical healing happens all the time. The Bible seems to say that when disciples came, they had to proclaim Jesus' resurrection, be baptized into him. So we're going to do that too. Contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered. Contend for it. And right now in Jude, he's going, there are people that are giving into sensuality. There are people that are going, I met with an angel today. And they're fascinated with angels. And I've met people like that today. Not this day, but in this era. I don't know a lot of angel lovers in Cobblestone, but I've met people in the body of Christ that are like, I can tell you about my encounter with an angel. And I'm like, I don't care. Can you tell me about your encounter with the word? This is what Jude's doing. He's calling his people back to what's foundational. Are you trusting Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone? Or have you added to it? And right now in the earth, Christians are adding day by day little minuscule things, but they become huge over time. So I go to a progressive, if you go to a progressive church, they're not preaching the gospel. It is watered down sexual immorality. 
that they want you to buy is the gospel of Jesus. So what does he tell us to do? Contend. Contend. And then he warns. And then he warns. Sodom and Gomorrah. You have Cain murdering his brother. You have all these, and we don't like those stories, but those are warnings to us. Don't add anything to Jesus. Don't add anything to him. And so as I look at this today, I could read all the warnings again, and I could explain Caleb, Cain did this, and Balaam did this, and I already talked about Korah. I actually just want to talk about you, and then we're going to go to the table of the Lord, communion. He says, but you, beloved, in verse 17, and he gives you three things, and these are where I want you to grow this week. The word of God's going to tell you to do certain things. Let's try to do them, right? He says, but you, beloved, build yourself up in your faith. Did you know that you can do that? That you can build yourself up in your faith? And you're like, what? I thought you had to do that, Andrew. That's part of my job is to equip you for the work of ministry. But you can run your whole life contrary to the things of God, and you will feel your faith downshift. You know there's certain people that I used to hang out with that I looked them in the face and said, I can't hang out with you anymore because when I'm around you, I feel my faith downshift. You know those people? There's rooms I couldn't go in because if I went in them, my faith wouldn't grow, it would shrink. And so I stopped going to those places. I stopped going with those people. I stopped hanging out and doing those things. One of the most common ones that I find, actually, and I know I ran on this a lot, this is a great gift. Technology can be used for God. Who texted me? Do we still need to do that? Kristen, where are you at? No, great, okay, cool. We just need to make room for people in the back. That's what we need to do. You ever have that moment where you're like, I don't even know why I'm scrolling anymore. But all I feel, I'm just, and wife or husband's like, what are you looking at? No, no. Emails? But you're not, right? And you could feel either your anxiety rising. Typically, if you're like this, it's an addictive habit. And the things that we're looking at on TikTok and Facebook are things like, oh, how to get the hottest body for the summer. And you're like, yes! And then before long, lust has been activated. Are you growing in faith in that moment? So what I find is I can notice there's activities that I can stop that will help my faith grow. What are yours? And it might be a place you go to. It might be this little thing that can be a blessing but also very much a curse. Build yourself up in your faith. The number one thing, and I hear this from young Christians a lot, is I don't want to read the Bible. It feels dry and boring. They say almost like that. If you want to build your faith, this. Read it. Consume it. Memorize it. Wield it well. It is the sword of the Spirit. You can use this. And here's the thing. It's a word we don't use in church a lot. Discipline. Self-discipline. If you wanted to lose 20 pounds, what would you have to do? Be disciplined. You'd have to eat different. You'd have to take different things into your mind and into your heart than you currently are most days when this is the first thing you look at. And some days, I'm going to tell you, because no one talks like this, we get up in the morning. Some days I open this in the morning and I'm like, ugh. I've read this proverb 1,700 times in my life. I know what it says. I can tell you what it says in Greek, and I can feel my heart not, like, loving it. 
Other mornings, though, I wake up and I'm going, God, it's like honey on my lips. I love everything about it. I'm sorry for my attitude yesterday, and God, it changes my life just by coming every day to the Word. Build yourself up in your, in your faith. Don't go where it lingers and, don't, and go to the places and stop doing the things that destroy your faith. He says, then praying in the Holy Spirit. Does that make anybody nervous? All my Pentecostals are like, mm, knew it. Now you can take your bias towards the gift of tongues and like shove it into that verse. And it could mean praying in the Holy Spirit. What I think though, and if you've never done this, I would encourage you when you're praying for people, listen. Listen for the Lord. And it won't be a fire or a wind. It'll be like with, is it Isaiah? He runs away? No. Who ran away? Elijah. That's what I was going for. One of those prophets. And he's hiding in a cave, and a fire goes by, and basically a tornado goes by. And then at the very end, how does he hear the voice of God? A still, soft voice. So when he says praying in the Holy Spirit, it's what I experience a lot when I'm praying for some of you. And I'm praying, and I'm like, Lord, I just pray for blah, 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 and that you would do this thing. And all of a sudden, I sense the Lord, and I stop praying my will, and I can feel the Holy Spirit take over my prayers. You ever had that happen? You don't have to tell me if not. It's a real thing. And what he's telling us to do is stop just praying in your flesh. Pray in line with the Holy Spirit, which you all have. And it's a skill to learn. You have to shut up yourself a lot. You have to be like, not my will, but yours. You have to learn that whisper. But praying in the Holy Spirit are these beautiful moments where you are so, you're, you're in an intimate relationship with the Son of God. And you start to pray literally the kingdom of heaven, literally the will of God. So the Holy Spirit, you know what he does? The Bible tells us in John 16. He will only speak what he hears. Who's, who's talking to him? Who's telling the Holy Spirit things? God is. And who do you have in you if you're a Christian? That's not charismatic and that's not Pentecostal. That's Bible. So that means when I'm praying and I'm contending and I'm fighting against my sensuality, and I'm fighting for the true, pure faith, I don't have to do it alone. I have a weapon. I have the Holy Spirit, who's God himself, being Andrew, pray this way. Now, if you have the gift of tongues, I think you could, it could fit in there. But everybody in here has the Holy Spirit, and everybody in here can pray in the Holy Spirit, which means to pray out of his, his heart, not yours. Everybody sufficiently weirded out now? This is the reality. We know God. And when we pray, we pray with the Spirit. Third thing, last thing. It says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Who here puts a date night on their calendar? Okay, husbands, here's your, forget the Bible homework. Go home, get your calendar, sit down with your boo, Write a date night on it, all right? You'll be like, we ain't got the money. Get some ramen and some candles. Have a good time, all right? Here's the thing. Why do we put date nights on our calendars? Why do we plan to be in love? Because if you don't plan it, if you, don't, you can keep yourselves in love or you can fall out of love. You become roommates as married couples really quick if you don't plan to foster love. 
We plan vacations. We plan dates. We plan, hey, let's just get the kids over to mom's house, stat, and let's go all be together. Why? To keep ourselves in love. Now, with the Lord, it's the exact same thing. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Are there things that you and I run into in this world? Are there things like if watching a certain kind of movie makes you love the things of the world, guess what I would suggest you do? Not watch the movie. If there's places that you go that just lure you away from loving God and you're like, now I'm loving the earth, what would I tell you to do? Don't go to that place until God strengthens you or that's not a problem anymore. Keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself there. And so here's the thing. To be able to do this, you have to be really aware of what you're loving and not loving. You actually have to be a little bit more self-aware than normal American is. Most days we wake up, and before we know it, it's 5 o'clock, and you're like, how'd I get here? Stop that. Be intentional with what you love, with what you worship, with where you go, with what you see, with what you let into your soul, with what you let control you. So many Christians come to my office and they are bound, not because they made some grand agreement with Satan, it was the little things. They got lazy and then they heard a little accusing voice that was like, you're not worthy of the love of God. And they almost repeated it back, I'm not, I'm not worthy of the love of God. You know what they did? They bound themselves. Be careful, keep yourselves in the love of God Keep your faith high and do not, and pray all the time in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the one who we are serving is able to keep you and present you. And this is the glorious truth of Christianity. I can't wait for that day when the Son of God, who saved me by his blood on the tree, goes, Father, here's Andrew. And I will have nothing to claim on my, I'll be like, you did it. Thank you. You and I are caught up in that. You and I right now are caught up in that. And he ends with, to the only God. There's only one, y'all. You where? To the only God. Every other God is an idol who cannot see or cannot speak. But our God, to that God, be glory and be majesty and be dominion. What's dominion? Anybody? Rule. He gets to say what happens. And authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. So what are you going to do this week to build your faith? Make it simple. Maybe it's you invite another Christian couple over and you pray. Maybe you, we're going to do communion just about here in a few minutes. Have communion with another couple this week. You're like, at my house? Yeah. Have somebody that knows how to play guitar. Me and Dave and the Bears do this a lot. Get his guitar. We're going to worship, and then we're going to pray in the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray what God leads us to pray. We want to know what we do on Wednesday nights? That. We worship until the Holy Spirit leads us to pray a certain way. And it, every Wednesday, it's like my, I feel my faith sometimes. I get into Monday and Tuesdays or my day's off. I'm like getting into like mowing the lawn. and Not now, but you know. And I get to Wednesday, and I feel my faith just like, whew. why? Because I got around a bunch of people that went, we're going to trust God. We're going to love God. We're going to worship God. You can make it that simple. You could make it this simple. I dare you. I double dog dare you to not take your lunch hour this week and instead take a walk with Jesus. 
Something simple. And maybe you're like, I got to eat because my blood sugar's fine. Take 30 minutes, walk with Jesus, then eat. Add the Lord into the middle of your day. And they'll be like, why were you walking in the parking lot talking to yourself? Be like, I don't know. It's good out there, though. You can tell them if you want. That's about you forgetting about all the things and being like, God, I want to love you. So let's do this. We're going to celebrate communion. Does everybody know why we celebrate this? Does everybody know why we get so jazzed up about bread and juice? On the night before Jesus was crucified, he gathered his disciples, and I consider you all followers of Jesus, and he got them in a room, and he said, I eagerly desired to eat this meal with you, which makes me cry, because I just feel like Jesus was like, I've been waiting. I've been waiting to eat a meal with you. I've been waiting to sit here and share in these deep realities with you. And he takes bread and he breaks it. And he says, this is my body broken for you. And he hands it around to them. And they're probably at that moment because they, they haven't seen the cross, but we have. They hadn't seen it and they're like, this is your body? And then he's like, picks up a glass of wine. And it would have been wine then. It's grape juice today. And he says, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant poured out for you. Drink it and do this in remembrance of me. So what we're about to do is it's a physical act that has spiritual weight. And we want to make it everything the Lord wants it to be. So if Jesus Christ himself wrote you a letter, put the wax seal on it, and you got in the mail and was like, would you come to my house for dinner? How excited are you? Right? You're like, yes, Jesus, I want to sit at that table with you. I want to eat every, everything you hand me, I'm going to eat. And he's like, well, here's my body, and here's my blood. Drink and eat. And you're like, a little morbid, Jesus, but okay, all right? But that's the truth. Jesus' broken body and Jesus' blood poured out is what secures your salvation, which is what's going to keep you till the day that he presents you blameless. So as you come to the table today, that's what we're doing. Jesus, I give you me, and I proclaim to the heavenlies that I belong to the Son of God because of his work on the cross. That's what you're doing. It's kind of weighty, right? The Bible also says you can do this wrong and that there were people that were doing it wrong in the Corinthian church that were literally getting sick and some of them had died. You're like, you're taking the Bible literally. I don't know how else to take it. And what it was is, some of them were rushing in and chugging all the wine, which is probably why we don't have wine today. They were getting drunk on a meal that was meant to glorify God. Some of them were rushing in and eating all the choice foods. And back then, I do think it would have been like a meal. Picture a banquet table. Choice meats, good bread. You know what a good bread? Tangent. Anna's been making sourdough, homemade. Blesses me so much. All right, off the tangent. There's a joy in the house of the Lord. Why? Because of who we're going to go eat with. And so there can be joy in this. There also can be some sorrow because you might have walked away from Jesus this week. And this table is him going, come, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Become one with me again. And so here's the the call I have for you today. Number one, if there are things to confess, 
you should confess them before you eat this. If you're a Christian, this is a delight to us. Father, I've sinned, forgive me. I, I actually confess it because you said, if I confess, you're faithful and just and will forgive me. Christian, if you have sin, get it off. Then eat and rejoice, for our God is a good God. If you're not a Christian, look at me. If you're not a Christian, I'm saving you. I'm saving you from Walmart bread and Walmart juice. That is what it is. It's put, if I put my wedding ring on your finger, are you married to my wife? If you say yes, I'll punch you. The reality is, you could eat this bread all, long, all day long. You could dip it in that juice, and it would make you no more a Christian than when you started. You just have a lot of carbs and a lot of sugar. The reality is, is when you surrender your soul, your life, and all of the kingship of your life, you go, Jesus, I trust that your work on the cross paid for my sin, and I repent of it, and I come to you and give you my life. Now you're a Christian. Now you can eat this. So don't eat this if you're not a Christian. Now, I want to lay the table this way. If the band would come up, I want to have you guys repeat a word for me just to really build this into us as a people. Everybody know what the word freedom means? Free. Thank you for defining the word freedom with the word free. I don't actually know how else to do it. We don't know what to do with it sometimes, especially in the church. Now, I want you to say, I have freedom here. You have freedom here. Why? Because Jesus has made us free. And so we're going to enter into a time of worship, confession of sin, and taking communion, which means you can go. Did you hear me? You can go. You can stay. You can stand. You can kneel. The kids can get on the floor. It's literally, if I had you at my house in my family room, that's the vibe we're going for. Why? Because Jesus loves when these people are home. And he's invited you to dinner. And so when we come to this table, I'm coming to this table with an expectation that when some of you eat this bread and drink this juice in faith, you will be healed. That when you take this body and you take this blood and you proclaim, I am cleansed from all my sin, any shame will just fall off your life and no one will have to do anything. I also know that some of you are needing to take some time. So we're just going to worship. We're just going to let God have the room for the rest of today, which means if you're here in an hour, great. If you're here for five minutes and you, great. If you take communion and you're like, I think I want to get my kids out of this crazy church, great, great. I'll say this. We have your take-home variety here. So if you're just like, I just want to go back to my seat. I just want to take this by myself. Okay. Uh, we have what we call the self-serve station, which seems real weird, but if you're like, man, I got my family and I got, we have faith and you just want to take it as a family, go take it as a family. There's also four tables in the back and there will be elders back there, men that have been called to lead and shepherd and they will hear your confession of your sin. They will pray for you. They will, they, they will offer you communion, but they're going to ask you, are you a Christian? And if you can't say yeah, Ask him, hey, will you help me be a Christian? If you're here and you're like, man, I just got to get this off of me before I take, do that. So would you just take a posture of prayer? And when I say amen, there's no, like I said, there's no rules, there's no, there's freedom. If God leads you to confess, 
confess. If God leads you to worship for the next 45 minutes, great. If God leads you to pray on your face, do that. Yeah, Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for this moment right now. Thank you that we are going to take the bread and the juice and we are going to declare that we belong to you. But more than that, God, I I actually love what I think it stands for. It's coming to the table. It's coming to dinner with you. And so, Father, I ask for your presence to overshine, over flood this room. That as every person that comes to take this meal would encounter you. And that you would evict spirits that don't belong. You would heal bodies that are broken because of this world being broken. You would bring hope where there hasn't been. Anxiety and depression would just fall off. Why? Because Jesus, you are powerful and alive. Because your word's true, Father, I ask right now for my brothers and sisters, if there's something you want them to do to build up their faith this week, would you show them right now? Would you bring to their physical minds what they need to do to build their faith? I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless.